This episode is an interview with my son. It's about the journey from a boy to a man from his perspective, and we're going to touch on his battles and the epiphanies that he happened to have along the way. So welcome to Divine Struggles, where the struggle is real, but overcoming divine. I would like to introduce to some and present to others my first guest, my firstborn, my son. You can say hi. Hi, what's going on, everybody? Tell them who you are. Um, my name's Kyron. Listen, I had four kids. I got three girls, all of which have tested me in their own way at some point, from my baby girl to my two mini-me's. But my son has always been tender towards me. All my children can be tender towards me, but I call him my one constant because even when he wasn't focused or he was angry or acting out, if he ever felt some type of way about me, I never knew it. The once or twice we had a conversation that could have gone left, it ended because we both just cried. Uh, he can be a quiet and reserved person, or he can be that calm before the storm. He has inherited my stoic look and my biggest grin. He can fill a room with laughter or retribution. But for what, I, what I've seen, he's known judgment, he's known hate and anger and resistance and remorse, and he's known love. So I've asked him to be vulnerable in the space as we talk about wars he's tried to win, mistakes he's made, and the setbacks of triggers and trauma and fear along the way. I want you all to know that um, before we begin that like many of us, he was born into a compromised situation. I was a single mom. Um, I was broken. I came from a broken home. I was distracted. I was timid. I was vulnerable. I was abused and subjected to a man much older than me, a man that would be a major dysfunction in our lives. And to make matters worse, I was a teenager. So I was wrapped up into situations that were way over my head. As much as I tried to shield and protect my kids, the damage was done. So as far as my son, though, he saw some things that created a fight in him, maybe even some hopelessness or fear or a vengeful heart from very young. It's a lot on a boy to feel the need to have to protect his mom so young, especially when you can't. But I didn't see that. One day I remember trying to get them to understand what I went through, and I painted a picture of my whole life without them knowing it was me. I told a story from a little girl's perspective just so they could hear the truth without knowing it was me. So at this point, I just want him to tell us about his life as a boy and his experiences with his bio dad and conversations about his role in his life, if they've ever had any conversations and if they've talked about mistakes, if they've ever had any resolve or any apologies. So you could tell him what it was like for you as a boy, um, how he influenced you, what you thought about him, when things changed. Um, I mean, my life as a, as a kid, you know, I guess for the most part, like any other kid, I just remember playing around a lot, uh, like sports, football, basketball, you know, playing kickball, dodgeball with your friends and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, we lived in a town I was kind of close knit, so it was a bunch of kids in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So I just always remember playing around and having fun. Um, when it comes to my biological dad, uh, I, don't, I don't have any good memories I could think of. Mm -hmm. I don't think me, me and him have any good memories. Uh, as far as father-son type of thing, um, most of my memories of him were like, are like bad, whether he was a uh, you know, getting high, smoking crack, or he was um, abusive towards you. Mm -hmm. um, Did y'all ever have any conversations about it? I think I brought it up to him like 
twice before, but it never went anywhere. Just uh, you know, he's the type of person that he tried to turn it on you. Mm-hmm. So no, nah, we never really held a conversation with any, you know, resolution about it or anything like that. Anytime I really spoke to him is in my teenage to adult years, it was more aggression towards him. It was it, it was it was a. Uh, I guess it was um it would have just turned bad. It was nothing, no yeah. good conversation out of it. Did you feel like you wanted to ever get him back? Yeah, I used to always uh I used to have a plan when I was younger. <laughs> you know, still a kid, but um I think I stopped thinking about him like that in that way for a period. I stopped trying to worry about getting him back when I was probably in the early twenties, maybe. Mid twenty, mid twenties, mm-hmm. um, because his he's my one of my favorite aunts. Uh, that's that's his sister. So it was always like because of her. Mm-hmm. Like if we seen each other, it would be at her house. Mm-hmm. And then I won't want to put her in a position or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So nah, never. And what? How did he? Did he try to reach out? Over the course of time, or was it just when he bumped into you? He, yeah, it was he just, act like everything was cool. Or? Yeah, it was never reach out. Just if we bumped into each other down south or something like that. Oh, uh, he he. Um, I remember I had a job at a grocery store, and um, he popped up, and gave me like, I think it was like a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars mm-hmm. from, which later we found out was from my money. Mm-hmm. He like, uh, I guess he forged his signature. On my grandfather, his dad's money or whatever, and mm-hmm. ended up giving me a little, a little check that was supposed to be mine anyway. But he heard I was trying to, I was working for a car, so he thought he was doing something. Oh, you know. Other than that, we like I said, we bumped into each other in the south. There was no real words, really. Yeah. Last time I seen him was a couple of years ago, my aunt's uh, memorial um, party, but mm-hmm. he he stayed, he stood his like he kept his distance for the most part. Well, I know from dealing with you and your sister that he would always say he was coming through to get you, and he didn't. Um, and I know you told me a story of when he was going to take you to a game, and I, I don't remember how that happened or why, but could you tell the people a little bit about those experiences? Um, I think you're talking about when I had like one of my basketball games, so... Yeah, and one of your basketball games, but also the fact that he used to always kind of let y'all down. Yes, well, when it comes to me, I don't really remember uh, me sitting there waiting. I just know after a while, I guess it was already in my mind that he wasn't coming, but I don't I don't have that memory in my head right now as right. an adult that of me waiting. I more remember like my younger sister waiting because I was a little older by that time now. I can remember from that age. Mm-hmm. But I know around that time when she was waiting, I already had it in my head. He wasn't cause, like I knew. You know what I mean? Um, right. Yeah. So I remember she was waiting one night. I never told her he wasn't coming. Like, I never did. I didn't do that to her. Like she's right. a little girl waiting on dad. So I just sat up there with her. I knew he wasn't coming. <laughs> like, but I just sat with her. Right. Um. I know the time he did come get me for whatever reason he wanted to take me to my game. I had a little league, like a PAL basketball game. Mm-hmm. And he brought me there. But uh, we made a pit stop, <laughs> and uh, he stopped somewhere in the town that the game was in. Basically, he had me in the crack house. Mm-hmm. He left me in the living room, and he went in the back there with whatever he was doing. 
I made it to the game. It was like it was the worst game I ever played in my life. Right. <laughs> like it was a bad game. Um, right. And I, you don't understand why at that moment. Like as right. a kid, you don't know why you're having a bad game. You just, I'm just, I remember just being distracted. Yeah. But yeah. And do you remember ever like holding those thoughts against him, and not necessarily those thoughts, but the things he made you feel against him? You know what I mean? Was it any particular thing? Like you did this, you did that, or just? The funny, my thing, my thing with him was it was never uh, anything he did or didn't do with me or for me. Mm-hmm. It was, it was never. I never um, was one of those kids like, oh, you wasn't there for me or you didn't, you weren't around. I never had that uh, feeling towards him. My my feelings towards him was always because what he did to somebody else was whether it was having my sister sit outside. Yeah. As a little girl with her backpack on or abusing my mother. That was only my feelings mm-hmm. towards him. Mm-hmm. There was nothing, nothing else. I never put myself in, uh, in yeah. it to say. I know for me it was always hard because you were, you were quiet like me. So I could, I understood your quiet. I understood your straight faces. Um, I know like you were, um, as far as exposed to the crack, I think you used to try to play with cans. I don't know if yeah, you remember yeah, telling yeah. me that, the way he would... I think you called me. Up. You called me one time. He he used to like uh, soda cans. It was the way he would uh, smoke crack on it. Like you, you, you bend it a certain way, put holes in it. Right. I didn't know what he was doing. Right. I just always seen those cans bent up like that. And mm-hmm. I think you know. Obviously, you're an adult. So I think one day I was sitting on the porch and I was bending the can, and you you would hide. You came outside and you're like, put that can down. But I didn't know. Um, um, I can't, I can't remember if I ever seen him smoke crack. Um, I, I just know he would, cause I know if, if I was home with him alone, he would go in the bathroom and do it. And I just always remember the smell. The smell was the same as that crack house I was in. Yeah. Um, the, I remember the smell. Um, but when he did get high, he would go in the bathroom, come out, and he would look totally different. Eye right. bugs. Right. Being weird, picking up anything that was small or white on the ground, putting in his mouth. Like, yeah. this weird stuff. So I knew he was high when he would come out the bathroom. I know things affected you before you could talk. Um. I know you were in a car a little, and I couldn't get in when I went to a motor vehicle, and I came out, and I couldn't get in, and it was filled with smoke mm-hmm. because he was smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually the door did open, and I got you, but I just, I remember your faces. Um, I remember how you were trying to, it looked like you were trying to process it, or, or even that you knew, like you had an old soul. Mm-hmm. Um, but that makes me think about like what we're exposed to early in life oftentimes determines what we allow to affect us down the line. We don't even think about it. But looking back, how do you think that those interactions with him um, or the lack thereof influence how you deal with people, your sisters, like circumstances of a bad day, your school performances, like looking back, your competitiveness in sports or, or how you handle a bad game? Like, was it hard to believe in yourself? Because sometimes it propels people to do better. Sometimes it propels people to do worse. And they don't really know where it's coming from. Mm. Like, were you overprotective? Do you feel like you were timid, but you you acted out? Um, you know what I mean? Earlier ages, I think it was more... Um, I don't really think I really had an anger problem as a young kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would fight if I had to fight. But, like, I was more a sports type of thing. Um... I say as I got older, yeah, the anger thing would come out, or if something wasn't going my way, I was, uh, I'll be frustrated, or I'll just say, forget it. 
it is what it is type thing. I had that kind of thing, that kind of attitude, I guess. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, I guess from, I guess you could think back from dealing with him, it was like nothing's going to change anyway. So, right. You know, I always, uh, that, that was my thing. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, then as far as the protective thing, I, I think that's where it comes from dealing with him and you when I was younger, mm-hmm. how I am with my sisters or my cousins. I call them my sister cousins. Mm-hmm. Most of the females in my family or my life, I'm like just mm-hmm. overprotective. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way where I try to control they, what they're doing, what they talk, nothing like that. Right. Something, something, you're not going to do anything to my, you know. Right. But um, I think that's where it comes from, too. Yeah. Now, you grew up around a lot of family and friends, and you lost like too many of your peers over what seemed like a short span. I don't even know the ages were. How many of your peers and your close family members of your age did you lose, and how old were you? I think the first, uh, I, the earliest one I can remember, we were kids, and um, I remember being in middle school, and uh, I was in middle school. I don't know what grade I was in, either sixth, maybe fifth, sixth grade, mm-hmm. and uh, one of my friends, actually my cousin, he uh, moved to Florida, got in an accident out there. He only had me about a couple of years, so he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Died in an accident. That's the earliest I remember. Then when the span you're talking about, when everything was like back to back for maybe a couple years, mm-hmm. um, one of my best friends, cousin, two aunts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I want to say early 20s, the mid 20s maybe. Yeah. yeah, early 20s to mid 20s. So I said, I mean, 19, like 24, 25. Maybe right. that's been. And one of them is your best friend, right? Yeah, man, man. Shout out, man, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, God bless his soul. He was uh, in an ATV accident. Uh, I remember that morning. I was staying um, in Southampton at that time. He was from the reservation, Southampton, Shinnecott Reservation. And uh, I was with him every day. I was working at that grocery store I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And um, he always. I was at my sister's house, uh, Shakota, shout out Cody. I was over there, and he's always hit me up, tell me to come over. By that that time, I was, we were smoking weed, mm-hmm. so he never wanted to roll up, so he told me to come over and roll up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was morning before I went to work, so I stopped over there. His girlfriend at the time picked him up. He was supposed to go get a haircut. I left, I went to work, and then, uh, I don't know if somebody called me or something, but he was riding a uh, four-wheeler, mm-hmm. and um, his hat, the wind blew his hat off, I think. Mm-hmm. and um. He turned, you know, natural reaction. I think he turned back mm-hmm. to look backwards, and uh, the bike, I think, like uh, swerves, hit a car. He flew off, and hit a pole. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, I think it broke every bone in his body. And you had seen him that day. Yeah, that yeah that day I seen him that day, um, that morning. Mm-hmm. I just left him. Mm-hmm. I dropped him off at the beach up there on the red. I dropped him off at the beach, then I went to work. Mm-hmm. And what about? You lost two close cousins. One you took under your wing and one that kind of protected you. Yeah, the, so the younger one, um, he was old. He was like a little brother. I remember being asleep you before can say school. Me. Oh, Dakari? Mm-hmm. Dakari Brown is my little bro. Um, he unfortunately took his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're just talking about this because all of you were in a space. You were in a headspace. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. of y'all were struggling. Yeah. And you kind of seeing the people you love leave in the midst of yours. Yeah. It was so, a 
your best friend, your little cousin. You took him under you, you yeah. under your wing. Yeah. And your oldest. Yeah, my older cousin, uh, he was murdered. Um, it was it was different stages right. for me when it first started happening. It was like a weird, like from maybe the whoever the first death. Mm-hmm. It was weird because you know we're humans, so we do, sometimes your brain can't process certain stuff. Like, right. That's whoever in the casket you're looking at them, but it don't look like them. Right. You know what I mean? Or then you get to the stage where you might have an old recording, you hear their voice, it sounds weird because you right. ain't heard the voice and you're, so long. you're never going to hear the voice again. Right. Like, that's weird. It doesn't even really sound like them, but it's. Right. And then so you got that stage, then you got the stage where it just hurt when, as far as it keep going on. Mm-hmm. Now you in the. Now it's, uh, I'm in the, I'm in the dark space. For mm-hmm. me personally, at, at that point when, when it was continuous, I was in the dark space. Right. Especially like when, um, my older cousin Boo was murdered. I was, I don't remember how long it was, but I was in a like totally right. different place. Mindset, yeah. Um, and what did did all of this trigger? Did it trigger you more? Did it propel you more? It just made um, me. Um, were you mad at God? Were you? Uh, did you understand that it was? I was never mad at God. That's that's you know. I was never mad at God. It was just like damn. Yeah. Like all right. How no. many times? Like yeah. what, what were we doing? Right. Um. Then I had to remember, cause I never really like Book was the first person I could think of. Oh, other than my childhood friend, remember Michael? He was killed out in Buffalo. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. So other than him, Book was like the closest to me that was I lost to murder. Right. And right. then I was still uh, that was like my big cousin, like you know. So I was kind of in the streets then. So it, yeah. it was hitting me different. I just wanted to go. Yeah. Do something. Um, I remember uh, my dad, uh, not my biological dad, my mm-hmm. father, um, seeing me around the time Book was gone after he passed, and he see me, he asked me if I'm alright all the time. Mm-hmm. It took a minute. I think he had, he sat me down one day, broke his stuff, broke, I guess broke life down to me as far as the streets and everything, and it kind of helped, mm-hmm. even though I already knew that, but maybe it snapped me back to reality. Right. Kind of helped, and I know the next day he see me, he could tell I. Um, was doing a little better. He said my eyes were clear. I'm like my eyes been red for two, three weeks. I guess he said. Yeah. You know so. And yeah. I was drinking a lot. Yeah. Around that time too, like every day, all day drinking, mm. trying to think of something. Yeah. A dumb master plan. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people didn't think these things happened in the Hamptons. Exactly. So you, you know you hear the rappers they in the Hamptons. It's a bunch of rich white people lounging, but. Right. I guess they would say it's a hood everywhere. Yeah. Um, We're there. Yeah. So. With a common cause, a common fight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then that was weird as far as the, the murder of my cousin. And then when my little cousin killed himself, that was, uh, he was away. I think he was at school, so it wasn't like, it was right there. That didn't really hit me until um his funeral. Mm. I think I remember I seen him in the casket, and I had to go outside real quick. My father followed me outside for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, then when we get to the other stuff, people passing, I lost a lot of uh, women in my family to cancer. Mm-hmm. So your sister, my aunt Shonda, mm-hmm. who I called her, like before my father came, my stepfather, before he came around, like aunt Shonda was like my dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. I could get over on you, but yeah, she aunt Shonda, nah, <laughs> she everything. She hear everything. She know everything. Stepped up in to protect you in the, in the store. Yeah, I remember I got into this. I got into it with this one coworker, this older lady. 
But she, look, she would tell me, don't you do it. I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I didn't even know she knew. I didn't know Ashan knew about that. It only was the next day. And this lady had like, she didn't really put the knife to me, but we worked in a deli, so she was like slapping the knife on the mm-hmm. on the on the counter. Next day, Ashan coming in. And I'm like, oh hey Ashan, what you doing? She's like, hey, nothing. And she ain't saying she's short with me. I'm looking at her, I'm like, what's up? <laughs> she's got this serious look. And she's looking at the lady, she's like, That's that's her? And I didn't know she knew. So I'm like, that's who? And she's like, Yeah, that's her. And then she walked over there, um, excuse me. And then I don't know what she said to this lady. Cause I was, <laughs> I remember her pointing like that's my nephew. Like, and I couldn't hear nothing else she said. Yeah. I know that lady ain't bother me no more after that. <laughs> but Ashan, that was like I said, like before my, uh, my real father came. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like my father figure, kind of not really father figure, but like the stern one, I guess, the protector. Yeah. Like I said, that's my mom's big sister, so she, yeah. you know, she was like that. Yep. Well, now when I lost her, it was because like, her kids are like. My brother and sister, you know, right. first cousins we grew up with her. Our, our family big, so we big, you know, a lot of cousins. Mm-hmm. But her kids was like, you know, Portia, Trevino, those are like my brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. So then when that happened, that, that was probably like the first one that really like hurt, hurt. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was like, I was drinking then, but it was, I just remember crying. And her, birth, her birthday was not too far after she passed. Right. So then, I don't know, that was, that was just a... Yeah, it seemed like when you lost your friends and your peers, your cousins close to you, you were a little um, numb. Yeah. But that hit you a little different. That hit me different. I remember not long before you got shot, um, your dad now telling you that he, um, that you got to be careful because you become what you hate. I remember him saying that a lot, and he was talking about as far as dealing with your birth father, and that there's some things you need to let go. And eventually, he would warn me that you were in a bad space, and that um, if something didn't change soon, after all the experiences you were having and the people you were losing, he said it wasn't going to end well. And I remember feeling the impact of that, but not wanting to accept it. I knew you were reckless, but you still expressed your love to me the same way, so I didn't see it for what it was. I just hoped that for the best mm-hmm. but hope ain't always enough so your expression was in the streets that energy attracted the things that came along with that yeah wrong place wrong time new people became new threats mm-hmm. and if they had something wrong to say or looked at you funny you're always ready to fight right mm-hmm. but this day the fight would be the pinnacle of your life and even though you would still have some things to figure out this would be a pivotal time and I want you to tell why. I want you to talk about the betrayal of being shot. Tell how it happened. Tell your ride to the hospital and your mindset when you got home. Mm-hmm. And the things that God blocked. Um, that day was weird. Uh, because uh, one of my friends I was talking to, who happened to be from that neighborhood, I just got off work. I'm talking to him. And he asked me where I was at. I told him where I was at. And he was like, oh, that's weird. We just rolled through there. We didn't see nobody. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I'm up here, I'm up here. And uh, it's funny because he didn't get along with people in my neighborhood, but my people from my neighborhood didn't like them. Mm-hmm. But it was like, that's my friend. So he come up here and nobody going to do nothing to him. So you in the middle. I'm in the, always, I was always in the middle of them. Mm-hmm. And it's the older guys from my neighborhood will always tell me, y'all friends now. Mm-hmm. When y'all get older, y'all not going to be friends. It always goes like that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. they went through the same thing. They, we all went from Southampton. Right. They grew up together it's a cycle. with them. And it's a cycle. You yeah. know what I mean? It started with my, my dad. Like, mm-hmm. he was, he got family up there in that neighborhood. And they was fighting growing up. So, right. Um, 
He came up there. When he came up there, he was in the car with my other friends. One was a kind of like a, we was cool. None of them, no enemies. It was all, we was all friends in the car. One of the friends that was in the car we used to come over, used to cook for us before basketball games, mm-hmm. like that type of. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. they came up, let off a shot in the air. Everybody looked. And uh, I was still in that little space, I guess I said the dark space mm-hmm. and everything, so I didn't. I was never scared of anything. I call it after I got out of that space and I thought about it, it was stupid. Right. I call myself stupid. I don't really think that's tough or gangster or nothing. It's just stupid. We all had that moment. Yeah, so shot one time in the air, they passed us a little bit, got off the car at the top of the block. And uh we had some I had some words for him and for whatever reason I don't know if I thought I was Superman or something, walking towards him. Like, Probably thinking he wasn't gonna shoot you. Yeah. Because like we and me and him had that conversation already, like right. leave that off of where I'm from, like y'all handed that when y'all somewhere else or whatever. So it was like a thing, some words or whatever. And then he shot uh, the first shot, and it never he he just wasn't aware of what he was shooting. He never really aimed at me. Mm-hmm. Like the, what he shot, got hit with a buck shots, it's a bunch of little pellets, lead pellets that's in a shell. Right. So when you shoot, they use it for like hunting birds and stuff, stuff that's fast that spread. So he shot that. So he hit somebody across the street and hit me at the same time. So when it hit me, it hit my upper body the first shot. And I just remember the impact. Like mm-hmm. My body jerked, but it was like a long, hard burn. Like You, you know how people like brand cows and stuff mm-hmm. like that? That's what it felt like. Yeah, it's like I can my picture whole body. Yeah, yeah, so I remember I tensed up. And I think I took another step. Um, and then he shot again. That's when it hit my lower body. So he kind of knew what, what the bullets were going to do. I, for I him would to do it so, twice yeah. and yeah. still not aim it at you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So the second time it hit me, uh, they got in the car left. He got in the car left. He don't want to get out the car. Got in the car left. I kind of stumbled against my car. And then um, it was like January, I think. So it was a lot of snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I remember running through like two yards mm-hmm. to get to uh, like a ride to the hospital. So when I get to um, this yard, these OGs from the neighborhood, they standing in the street, in the, in the end of the driveway, looking down at the road, like, what happened, the scene? Mm-hmm. I left the scene, I came down. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to get their attention. I'm like, yo, take me to the hospital. They're like, oh, okay. They jump, you know, they jump in the car. We go to the hospital. And um, the hospital about three minutes away from where we were at. I feel right. like he took the longest route. <laughs> he yeah. didn't, but it felt like that. Yeah. And shout out to, to him getting me to the hospital, Jim Bean. I don't know where he at right now. But um, he got yeah. me to the hospital. Uh. And I remember on the ride to the hospital, it was like, uh, I couldn't catch my breath. And um, at that time, I wouldn't know, but eventually I found out, like, you know, my lung dropped. Right. So basically, yeah. it's, um, I'm kind of like choking on my own blood, kind of. Mm-hmm. And I just remember catching my, like, trying to catch my breath. Like, it was like, uh, like short breaths, fast. Yeah. yeah. Every time I, I was breathing, it felt like a sharp pain mm-hmm. in the inside. And um, it wasn't, I didn't think about death yet. Right. Until we got, like, a couple streets away mm-hmm. and I think I just relaxed and I sat back and in that moment always obviously I'm thinking of my cousin Boo, that was murdered so I'm thinking about that too mm-hmm. so I think I just, it came I came to the peace where I, I am about to die mm-hmm. so I think I was talking to God you know mm-hmm. apologizing for a bunch of stuff I mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. Uh, and so now I'm relaxed and I remember we, we were behind a van a white van and the tail lights of the van were bigger than the van like mm-hmm. the brightness it was like bigger looking at the stoplights 
red, yellow, green, the lights were bigger mm. than the, um, like they were just big. And by the time we got to the hospital, I think all my adrenaline was down. So now I right. feel everything. My mm. legs are on fire. I can't even lift my leg because uh, my cousin came, he brought me the wheelchair to bring me in the hospital. I couldn't even get my legs up the car to get up, you know, mm. to swing. You know how you swing out the car. I couldn't yeah. even do that because it was just hurting. I think I talked to myself, like, you gotta get out, like, get out. And then I just got out, sat in a wheelchair. I remember going, he's, he's wheeling me in, shout out PJ, my bro. He's wheeling me in, he oh, got cool hit. Shot. Yeah. He got hit that day too. Yeah, um, he was more worried about you. Yeah, he more worried about me, so. He's wheeling me in the hospital. I remember um, having my elbow on the armrest of the wheelchair and my chin on my, my fist. Mm -hmm. And my head kept falling off my, my hand. Mm -hmm. Like, just, I guess weak, you know, losing blood or whatever. And um, he hit me in the, Hospital put me on these metal slabs, all cold. They cut my clothes off. Um, ended up cutting like a little uh, incision in my side mm -hmm. and putting the tube through my ribs to drain my lung, you know, so I could breathe or whatever. And right then you can. Yeah. Felt yourself yeah. come back. Yeah. Um, I remember you guys. My uncle came. My uncle was working at the hospital. He came in. He was the first one to see me. And then um, I just remember looking at uh, looking at him. And then um, you guys came. You my younger sister and dad that y'all came and uh, I remember looking at him mm -hmm. even in that moment just you got you learned like before that I had a bunch of uh, I had a bunch of signs from God like mm -hmm. yo calm down sit down yeah but even in that moment I just you don't know you're gonna live or die I remember when y'all came in I looked at my dad and I gave him a look like I'm a, it's on yeah, I, I remember you, but I didn't know you locked right into him. I looked right and at I him. And I thought I remember you saying you were right. Probably. Or something like that. Yeah, I probably did. But even in that moment, just being stupid, I'm looking at him like, yeah, it's, it's on. Like, mm -hmm. And I'm like, boy, like, now I'm thinking about, like, hey, you about to die. You still, you're still on the scene, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. You hadn't been cleared yet. Yeah, so. And, you know, wake up and I, I guess I went to ICU. They operated. I wake up, tube in my throat. They took the tube out that morning. And I had staples in my stomach. We call it a zipper. Mm -hmm. um, I think I got shot on a Monday. I left the hospital Thursday against doctor's wishes. Mm -hmm. I was still um, had that on my mind. I'm going to do something to somebody. Yeah. And I right. left the hospital Thursday. Friday, our high school, I don't know if you remember, our high school had a basketball game. Mm -hmm. And I went to the game. I think I remember thinking you didn't need to go because yeah. you were weak. Yeah, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't use my left arm. I had to, from the first shot when I tensed up, my muscle locked in my left arm. So mm -hmm. I'm walking around with my arm, my hoodie, I can't move my arm. Right. But I don't care about none of that. I'm going to do something, like something's going to happen. Right. I remember walking in the game, nobody that was involved was there. Mm. It's like, that's another sign. Mm -hmm. I'm not about to let you do this. You're doing too much. Let's right. sit down. Um, it was like any other time, any time I had, I had a plan to do something, something would go. Right. I don't want to say something went wrong, something went right, and yeah. the, the opportunity didn't present itself. Let's just keep getting saved, keep getting saved, mm -hmm. and you keep trying to do the same thing. And then after a while, stuff started happening. Um, but you didn't tell. You wouldn't even remember when detectives asked you a question, you wouldn't tell because you had your mindset yeah. on Yeah. I remember the, so the, before y'all got there, I think, or maybe I was there, it was detectives in, the, in there with me. I'm on the bed. And they keep asking me, oh, who did this, who did this, who did this? And meanwhile, I grew up with all, and I know exactly who. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. And then they keep asking me, I think I got mad, I sat up, and I yelled. I said, didn't I just tell you I don't I don't know? Like, why you keep asking? And the nurse got mad at the detective, like, you can't have him like that in here, you gotta get out. Mm -hmm. 
you know? So, no, I never told her nobody. Uh, I was planning on doing whatever I was supposed to do, or thought I was supposed to do. Um, yeah. I remember me and you had a falling out a little bit about me not telling. You didn't really understand yeah. the quote-unquote mm-hmm. street thing. Obviously, you were... Yeah. Right I wasn't thinking about revenge at the moment, but it yeah. just <laughs> hit me later. Yeah, and I, I don't know, it was just mad. That was that. After a while, then after that, I get through that. Um, I mean, when I got home, uh, I was just getting trying to get back, get get healthy, you know. Yeah. Doing my little exercises or whatever. But the the guy that shot you ended up on that same course that he ended up getting locked up anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got locked up for something else. So. Yeah. Um, so that was that. Um, and what what made you? Is it something that just you said, okay, let it go? Because I think I felt like you let it go before he got locked up. I did. Yeah. Yeah, I let it go before that. Because it was always a thing where I remember, um, like I said, I got I got friends and stuff up there. Mm-hmm. So when I I remember getting home from the hospital, I was talking to some of them who were there when they got back to their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it was a big thing. Like a couple of my friends up there was mad about it. They had a little, you know, words or whatever. And I remember um, he was telling me. I guess when he did get back in the car after the shooting, he said, "Damn, I didn't mean to shoot Mills." Mm-hmm. And that was like, that's my nickname. That's what they called me out out mm-hmm. there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he said that. So it was like, I don't know. It was a bunch of stuff just go through your head, like. But I think uh, with time and then stuff, I was trying to work towards whatever. After a while, I was like, "What is what it is." I don't, and you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to actually sidebar for a moment, guys, because there's been a new development that I want to address that came up as me and my son were preparing for this podcast concerning older women or uh, women or older girls who were being sexually inappropriate to him when he was just a little boy. Um, but this will have to be for another episode because it's not talked about enough, um, and I want to be able to get more in depth. So... Um, We'll talk about what happened to my son and why he didn't tell me then. But as far as the struggles we're addressing today, I just wanted to say that this part of trauma is what can cause one to be promiscuous as they grow up and they don't know why. And believe it or not, when it comes to any form of sex that's outside of the will of God, it will create a new narrative for us to have to work through. When we get mad at how men treat women or the fact that they're so-called known to be unfaithful, Um, without ever really getting to the root of things or trying to understand the why or the influence. Some strongholds lie dormant long enough to affect most of your life and infect other people along the way. And although it's no excuse, it's a reality. And when you're young, you think you're making choices based on what you like, but you're really under the influence of misplaced pain and ignorance or a violation of some kind. And as a mom, I can't help but to flash back to those moments and I'd like to believe that I would have made a difference how I know, if you know if I knew, but for now I'm gonna trust the process. So stay tuned um, for that episode um, as I digress. I digress about it at this moment. Um, but I want to address a couple more things um, with my son. I want to talk about how you dealt with me getting married and the new structure of it all, and like what you thought a father was versus a friend. Um, you know, and mm-hmm. all your processes with that. Um, I remember when you guys first started dating, it was cool to me, you know, because he was a dude from my town. Right. The neighborhood we was in, he was from out there, so he was cool. Um, 
you know, video games, sports, playing basketball together and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And being a kid, you think everybody your friend. Mm-hmm. So then when you guys actually got married. And you I'm, knew his family. Yeah, and I knew his family. Like his, his little brother and all that was my best friend, his sister, my best friend at that time. Mm-hmm. Lived right up the road. I was always with them. Mm-hmm. But um, I was just, I was cool with it. I was happy. Um, after a while, I think uh, when you guys got married, actually, when you guys got married, I was uh, engaged and, and I was I was excited when you guys got engaged. Then when you, you were a part of the engagement. Yeah, I was part of the, of the engagement. How he set it up, the proposal. Um, he always included us and stuff like that. Um, well, what'd you say you did when you? Um, oh, after once it after he after he proposed, I think uh, me and my little cousin Dakari mm-hmm. got on our bikes, riding around the neighborhood, just telling y'all business. I don't, I don't even know if we want if y'all want anybody to know yet. Yeah. Just riding around a different house and telling. Um, so you were excited. Yeah, I was excited. Then um, the wedding, I was excited. It was cool. You know, me and him got pictures in our tuxedos, posing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I just remember uh, at the reception, something hit me. I don't know what the heck it was. I just didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if I, I don't. I can't remember if I was thinking. Did he just take my mom? Right. You know what I mean? Me being an adult, thinking back now, maybe that's what I could, if I'm trying to put it together, maybe that's what it was. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But I remember my older cousin Tasha coming up to me at that moment. She looked at me. She said, you all right? I think I said, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But obviously, something looked wrong. Right. You know what I mean? So I remember that hit me. And then after that, um, it was more so... So, I mean, like, you, you gave him a hard time when he had to discipline you. Yeah, stuff I would give like him a that. hard time. Stuff like that. you think about it. I'll give him a hard time the first time. I remember the first time he disciplined me. First time ever. I was playing a game, video game in my room. I think you told me it was time for bed. And I was like, all right. And I kept playing the game. Like, I was going to turn it off, but I didn't turn it off right then and there. He came in. Didn't your mother tell you it's time for bed? I'm looking at him like, who are you talking to? <laughs> like, who are you talking to? Yeah, and plus, you were used to me telling you stuff. And, and me doing that. I didn't come check. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know. So he came in, he's just like, you know, and how any man would, you're like, bro, didn't Jamal tell you to go to bed? I'm just like, looking at him like, bro, like, yeah, like, brush him off. And he used to always, like, uh, play with us, me and his brother, me and his brother the same age, he used to punch us in our chest and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know how men are with boys, like, he, we would play like that. But then that day, he punched me in my chest a little, <laughs> with a little aggression. <laughs> like, boy, tennis game off. I, I was just so mad about that. Like, I was hot. Like, who are you, it's not your house. <laughs> <laughs> like a little kid, like a stupid little kid, you know what I mean? Yeah. But then uh, after that, it was, um, I don't know, I don't remember what I was thinking, like, what was wrong, because he never did nothing wrong. Yeah, a lot of kids in that situation do that. They lash out because of the change. I don't know if it's a threat. I don't know if they're not used to that authority, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's authority that it's supposed to be in a household. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't get it from the beginning, it affects you differently when it comes along later, you yeah. know, because you're not used to it, um, being submissive to it enough to understand mm-hmm. how it's going to help you in the end. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted you to kind of explain that aspect because I know a lot of kids probably go through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't know what it is at the time. Like, you can sit a little kid down and ask him what they don't. Some might, some might know and can tell you word for word, what's this, is that. Yeah. You just sat me down that moment, I don't know. Cause that man don't do nothing wrong to me. I can't tell you. Man, he's a great person to be. I can't tell you yeah, what the hell is wrong with me. Yeah. I think it was everything. And it was easy for you to be triggered. Yeah. Uh, even at the reception. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, understanding that we're all a work in progress. 
where do you stand with your life now? Like your mindset, um, all the fight and the recovery and the sexual rambunctiousness that had your mother screaming, mercy, father, mercy. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I used to say, I didn't raise you like this. <laughs> <laughs> what has changed for you now at this point in life? In your early 30s, was it a career move? Was it that special one? What break? I think it was uh, all, all of the above. And I always had like a consciousness of a future, what I wanted, and mm -hmm. how I wanted stuff to be. And I think something just clicked one day. You know, whether it was uh, I, I when you set a goal, when I set a goal for something, I'm gonna do it. Mm -hmm. I might not take it. I might not get done when you want it to get done, mm -hmm. but I'm gonna do it. I think it was all of the above, like uh, the one. Uh, career, yeah, um, and just seeing stuff where you came from, like, like boy, you could have been dead a million times. I'd have been stabbed three, four times. I think I remember I came home and you seen, <laughs> you seen me poked up. Somebody poked me up, and that that was me doing what somebody had no business doing. Mm -hmm. Like that was my fault. Mm -hmm. But um, being stabbed, being shot, car accidents, losing friends, losing family, um, I think it was just like enough, bro. Like, just yeah. do what you're supposed to do. But in the midst of all of that, did you know what you wanted to do? I always knew what I wanted to do since I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. um, I know I wanted to be a police officer. Mm -hmm. but obviously, and you were like on the opposite end of the spectrum for a long time. Yeah, so then being on the, on the other side of it, that vision kind of gets blurry. You're not thinking yeah. about it no more. You just got to make money. I got to mm -hmm. do this. I got to my side. Mm -hmm. So then I don't know what brought it back. It clicked. And I think getting older too, that's what really clicked. Like, how you getting older? Yeah. My biggest thing with my career, it was uh, always, and I don't have kids yet, but it was funny because that was always my thing, like my pension. I want to, I want a pension when I retire. My kids are gonna be good. Yeah. My wife or my kids got to go to the doctor. I don't gotta pay no thousand dollars. Pay twenty dollars. Please go back. Or they going for <laughs> right. free. Right. Like, that was my it, as, as a younger youngin. That was my thing too. Thinking right. like that. And then plus this is what I wanted to do, so it made it easier. And then stuff stuff. And then I noticed you always gonna have hiccups and stuff. But I noticed when I started doing the right thing. It makes it worse. You always have hiccups, but when you're doing the right thing, you think you're not supposed to have hiccups. Right. Yeah. Because I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Yeah, and now, still, now I turned it yeah. around, so why? Yeah. But then as you notice it, when you're doing the right thing, doing what you're supposed to do, the hiccups not don't last as long. Mm. They go away quicker. And mm. I, like I told you earlier, I always had that, it is what it is. So if something bad happened, I'm just like, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. I can't change that. I want to say, hey, cry about it. Mm -hmm. But then they, they didn't last long. And then stuff just started falling into place. Right. When I decided to do what I was supposed to, what I'm supposed to be doing, everything yeah. just falling into place, easy. Stuff yeah. just come easy. All right. Yeah. So, what would you tell those other versions of yourself if you could go back, or what would you say to some of your friends' kids, or those little boys who could be fighting the wrong fight and in the wrong headspace today? Mm. That would matter. Like, what would have? I often think about that when I go back to being a little girl. I'm like, what would have mattered? Had somebody said something different or done anything different? No, I don't think, because, uh, you know, I've, I've had long conversations with my father, like, when I was doing stuff wrong. He, he didn't, it wasn't always, like, a discipline thing. He would talk to me. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it? What's wrong? Like, what? You got to do this. You got to do that. Like, so the kid's not going to hear it right. for the most part. It's good that you do it. Like, you could be a great parent. Yeah. But then a lot of parents forget that when that person gets older, he's or she is their own person. Mm -hmm. So you could be the the greatest. I mean, you know, some serial killers probably had some great parents. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. they, that person going to be their own person. Um, But what I would tell the young boys, be you. If you don't know who you are yet, yeah, you'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. 
Um, don't be on anybody else's timeline. Look at this person like, oh, he made it. He only 21. Right. That's not your time. Right. You don't know what, you know what I mean? So be you, stay focused, do what you got to do. What would you tell them about, well, feeling the lack of not having a father? Like how to deal with that? Change their focus? Uh, I don't really... I would, I, love to, I would love to. I would love to give uh, great advice about that. Right. I never felt that. Right. I never felt like, damn, I don't got a dad. Mm. I don't. I didn't really care. I didn't want him there. Right, right, right. So I can't really speak to them. Mm -hmm. Um, just I can let them know it's not you. It's not your fault. Right. I mean, that, that man's a, he's a grown man. He's doing what he's doing. That's not don't get nothing. That's no reflection on you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think when you said that, I think remember saying that to you guys. That you were born into this situation. I didn't know better. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's not your fault that he's already was making the decisions yeah. or that I made the decisions that I made. Yeah. You just become a product of some things. Mm -hmm. A lot of kids don't understand that. They take it on. Take it, yeah, like it's their fault. What did I do something? Why he don't want to yeah. be here? Why he right. don't want to be around? I never thought that. I never, I didn't want that nigga there. Right. <laughs> that was my thing. Um, but this the tell the kids stay focused, do what you gotta do. Um be you mm -hmm. and uh respect people. Right. Love your mother, your family, respect everybody and stuff falling please. Because mm -hmm. they they can understand they're here for reasons too. Mm -hmm. You might not know what it is, but you're here for something. Right. Well, there you have it, guys, from his mouth to your ears. May this episode encourage those of you who can relate or inspire someone to consider a better way to deal with what you've been feeling, those things that you have no control over, because be it the past, the anger, guilt, shame, or unforgiveness, we all got to learn to overturn what doesn't serve us. We got to learn from other people. We got to learn from our mistakes. We have to learn from our pain and talk about it. And let that be our exodus. Let this moment be your exodus. Surrender to power. Let your truth be your guide no matter what. Because it's what you learn to endure that is a key to setting you free. Until next time, I bid you well on your journey. Thanks, son. I love you. Love you, mom.